Today's episode is sponsored by Raw Dance Club Bar and Grill. Raw is located right near 4th and Market. There's live music every weekend downstairs, and Chattanooga's premier dance club is upstairs. They have $1.50 domestic beer specials every Friday and Saturday from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. That's right, you heard it, $1.50. Where can you find that special? Anywhere from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m.? Nowhere. Raw shows all of the UFC pay-per-view events. There's a lot of great things going on at Raw, so if you haven't experienced it, check it out. How do you compare it to other cities that you've been to? It's like the Beatles lyric, I've got to admit it's getting better, getting better all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, We got a long ways to go, but I don't want it to become an Austin. I don't want it to become a Nashville because Nashville and Austin feel really commercial and I don't like that. Music industry is a oxymoron, it's a Mm -hmm. paradox in my brain. And when you have so much music industry concentrated in such a small area, The market is flooded and musicians don't get paid as much as they should. Uh, They're struggling to find gigs. And they're even like paying to play a gig, you know, at South by Southwest just to be seen. Um, No, I don't want it to be like that. You are listening to Open Mic Spotlight with Heather Lee Holt. This show features conversations with Chattanooga musicians about the importance of open mic and its influential effect on the Chattanooga music scene. Okay, hi. Welcome to another episode of Open Mic Spotlight. Today we have Lon Eldridge here. Hello, Lon. What's happening? And he is an amazing musician and Chattanooga professional, and everybody knows him. He's a traveling musician, too. He gets around. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you put it that way. (laughs) Tell us about yourself, Lon. Uh, Let's see. I've been doing music. This year marks 10 years for me doing uh, music full-time. I I started out um, in February of 2006. I moved up to Detroit for a job up there and started doing music also. Uh, kind of on the, on the side, and then I decided that Detroit was not for me, <laughs> and uh, I moved back at the end of that year and uh, started getting in on the open mic scene, and that was kind of my first foothold. Uh, oh, really? So you started? That was your getting in? Yeah, that was my that was my foot in the door of kind of networking and getting out on the Chattanooga music scene a little. And I found out earlier that Lon attended the very first open mic at Tremont 10 years ago. Yeah, I did. I was at JJ's for a show, and I guess it would have been a Monday night Mm because I I ran into Mike McDade, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about things. Or no, it was was a Wednesday night open mic at JJ's, Mm -hmm. And I met Mike McDade, and he said, hey, I'm starting an open mic at Tremont Tavern on Tuesdays, and this next week is the first one. So I said, I'll be there. And wow. uh, that's crazy. Yeah. That seems like such a, a long time ago. <laughs> I know. Well, I mean, what was it like, the first one? I mean, it's not too 
dissimilar than how it is now, mm-hmm. just smaller. Yeah. You know, there weren't, the schedule was still pretty full, um, but it's, there was not this huge gang of people there like mm-hmm. there is now, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's not shoulder to shoulder. And uh, um, so it, it was just smaller and more intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's not intimate now, but it's, uh, it's kind of, it's grown into this yeah. behemoth. It has. And have you been there since it's in the, in the new room now? I haven't, no. Yeah. It's even bigger now because there can be more people in that room. Yeah. And it gets really loud, <laughs> the people do in, in the audience. Um, so you've been playing music longer than that, though. When did you start? I started playing guitar the summer after my eighth grade year. So that would have been the year 2000 wow. when I started playing. And so I've been, doing, been playing guitar, I guess, for longer than I have not been playing guitar yeah. over Are, over half my life now. So. Were you self-taught or did you take lessons? Or? Self-taught, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I may have taken lessons for like a month and a half. I was like, oh, okay, I think I can kind of figure this out on my own. And uh, But nobody's really self-taught. You watch people, you, you look at things like books or you ask questions and watch videos on YouTube. YouTube wasn't really a thing for me back then. Uh, with the 56K dial-up. <laughs> it would have taken me all day to load a video. But um, so I just tried to listen and watch more than I played, and that's how I learn mm-hmm. still to this day. Mm-hmm. Playing other people's songs and learning their styles. Mm-hmm. Developing your own. Mm-hmm. How, how would you define your style that you play? Well, I play fingerstyle guitar, but within that, you know, I'd, if I had to narrow it down, I would say... I play American roots music. Um, so I really like traditional blues, ragtime guitar. I really love playing swing. Uh, and gypsy jazz is something I've kind of gotten into recently with the Ninth Street Stompers. And I kind of just fake being a gypsy jazz guitarist because <laughs> I play fingerstyle. And there's just a lot of those things you can't accomplish. Well, not with that attitude, I can't. But... Uh, there's just a lot of techniques in gypsy jazz that are just very difficult to pull off as a fingerstyle guitarist, but I, I fake at it and I, <laughs> I make do. So. And tell us about this guitar that you're playing because it's awesome. Well, it's a, uh, a resonator guitar. Um, it's made of steel. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's much louder than your traditional guitar. It was invented in the 20s uh, by these these brothers from the Czech Republic that immigrated to America, the Dopiera brothers. And they started a company called Dobro, Dopiera Brothers. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's they invented the resophonic guitar. Um, so what you call a Dobro or a resonator um, was invented by them. And then National was a big uh, manufacturer of resophonic instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. It's really pretty. Well, why don't you play something for us? Sure. Let's see here. Uh, I'll do... This is a, a tune I wrote um, called Chattanooga Blues, and uh, it's a tribute to Chattanooga and Bessie Smith, and uh, I mentioned some places around Chattanooga. Like Ninth Street is in the first verse now known as Martin Luther King Boulevard. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you'll hear me talk about Elm Street, which isn't even there anymore. It's like a factory now. I think it's like Alstom or whatever that factory is over there by the river. But on the on the corner of Elm Street was there used to be a, a a bar called the White Elephant, and Bessie Smith got her start singing out on the streets in front of that saloon with her brother, who would play guitar and she would sing. So that's kind of a little history tidbit mm-hmm. thrown into the song. And then I mentioned some more contemporary places like the North Shore, and there's some references to to Coolidge Park, and I'll just play it. <laughs> <laughs> Walk down Ninth Street Lord, I didn't know what to do I took a walk down Ninth Street, Mama You had me with those low down Chattanooga blues I was raving like a madman I was talking out my head The way you're doing me, baby I think I'm better off dead I went down to Ninth Street, Mama To lose them Chattanooga Blues I took a walk down Main Street Mama, I didn't know what to do I took a walk down Main Street You had me with those low down Chattanooga Blues Took a stroll over to the corner of Elm Street and Main Just to see if I could still hear Bessie singing a sweet, sweet refrain I went down to Main Street, Mama, to hear them Chattanooga blues I played something like this now Still didn't know what to do I took a walk down the North Shore, mama Had me widows low down Chattanooga blues Had me wrapped around your finger Underneath your spell You had my head reeling Like a great big carousel I went down to the North Shore, mama To lose them Chattanooga blues That's what I'm singing Lonesome Chattanooga blues I really mean it now Those lonesome Chattanooga
So good, so good. If you could see me, you would see a huge smile on my face because he's so talented. <laughs> so awesome. Um, so back to the open mic biz. How do you think that um, it's influenced your career specifically in Chattanooga? I recall this one evening, a uh, particular evening, I was at Tremont Tavern. This was probably around like 2008, somewhere in there. And uh, this was back when I was at Tremont Tavern every Tuesday. <laughs> you could count on it. And um, on this one night, I met this petite, curly-haired lady named Christy Burns, um, who has become, you know, one of my best friends and started the folk school of Chattanooga and is a, a huge proponent of local music and getting people into music, getting kids into music. And anybody, you know, she's just a promoter and propagator of, mm-hmm. of music. Very a key figure in the Chattanooga uh, music scene. And I met her that night, and I met um, this fella from the Gadsden, Alabama area, who said, hey, come down and... Uh, I want you to play at this barbecue joint in Fort Payne. And that turned into like a, I played there three times a week for like three or four years for lunch. And through that gig, I met people from Mentone. And through Mentone, I met people from Rome, Georgia. And, you know, from meeting that one guy on that one night at, uh, at Tremont Tavern, it turned into this slew of gigs that I can't even count. That's crazy. And I met Christy Burns on the same night and we've traveled to Europe together and, uh, and through going to Europe the first time with Christy, I, I built like the foundations of this big, uh, network that I now have in Europe, all over Europe, especially in, in Belgium. Cause that's where I went the first time and spent the most time. And if I, and I was sick that night, like I almost didn't go. Wow. I almost didn't show to up, Tremont, but I forced nice. myself. Yeah. I, I'd been cooped up and I had cabin fever. Yeah. I said, I got to get out. My voice sounds terrible, but I'm going to go. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm at least going to go and uh-huh. listen. If I don't play, I'll put my name on the list. And I'm glad I did because that turned out to be a very pivotal yeah. evening I mean, in my career. And you can career. attribute all of that And to I can that trace it back evening. to that one mm-hmm. night at Tremont Tavern. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> but it gives me chills. You never know, you know, so... Yeah. If you have the option to do or don't do something, I always go with it. To do. Yeah. It is to do. If it's something good, you know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and there are so many people at Tremont every Tuesday, even Mm -hmm. now. I mean, you never know who's going to be there, who's a musician in town. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I mean, I used to see you there all the time. Not so much anymore, but that goes for everybody. So. You'll see Dan Pinson on random nights, or mm-hmm. there's no you know you never know who you're gonna see at Tremont Tuesday. And know? I think that's the beauty of open mics is it's a uh, it's a melting pot, but it's also um, it's like cooking when you're out of groceries, so you just cook with what you have. Yeah, it's like whoever shows up. Yeah. But you make something good out of it using I mean, the ingredients you have. Even if you're just there to listen for the evening. Because I go mm-hmm. all the time and don't want to play because I've been singing all day at school. And just hearing all of the, the 
differences in all of the performers' skill yeah. level and style and everything. You get people traveling through mm-hmm. that hear about it and uh, yeah, there was one, wild cards. Yeah, there was one guy um, a few months ago. He had this app that told him about different open mics in different cities. Hmm. And so he was traveling around, specifically going to different cities, checking out different open mics. And, and that's how he found Tremont. And he found out that it was the best one in the city, so he went. And it's just interesting how, how important open mics are everywhere, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you went to Europe. That's mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it over there. Uh, and you were touring. The first time I went, I went with Christy, like I said, in 2011, uh, for this big international folk gathering, mm-hmm. traditional music from wherever it is that you happened to be from, and it's called Ethno Flanders. It's in Flanders, which is the uh, Dutch-speaking region of Belgium, on the coast there, in Ostende. And the first time I went, there was about forty-five participants. About I think it was. 17 or 19 countries wow. represented, and it's young musicians, ages 16 to 30. That's some and culture. Yeah, it was unlike anything I'd ever experienced before, and it was the first time I'd traveled abroad for music. I'd been abroad uh, just for vacation or whatever, and this was the first time I'd ever done it in a musical setting, and it was mind-blowing. It changed my life. Yeah. Um, and I got hooked. So <laughs> what I did is I started going back for uh, Ethno Flanders every year, but then I would start booking a tour behind that because mm-hmm. I met more and more people. And uh, and then there's ethnos everywhere. It's ethno Denmark, ethno Sweden, oh, wow. ethno India. I've been to ethno Denmark and uh, Trotten Ethno, which is in Croatia. Wow. Um, so, is there one here in America? Not yet, but uh, you, are, is that in the works? Maybe me and Christy have talked about it a mm-hmm. lot. It's something that would be really cool, like and eth- that would be really cool for Chattanooga too. Yeah, so I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't count it out. There's, there's rumors. I mean, we do have the gig, so <laughs> <laughs> so it's, uh, it's something I would love to see come to fruition. And so, yeah, I, I love going to Europe. I've been to Belgium six times wow. and then I've done the Netherlands, Germany, Denmark, England, Scotland, Croatia. Uh, and you get to play in all these places and yeah. meet all these people and that's incredible. It's a, it's a wonderful life you got there, Juan. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I get yeah. to I get to do all of my favorite things. Like yeah. I get to travel, I get to play music and I get to drink awesome beer and eat awesome food and I get paid for this. That's like the bonus. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you are living the dream. If they're quintessential living the dream, I think. <laughs> People ask me like, well, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm like, well, doing this, just yeah. more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so great. Um, do you have a song that um, comes to mind when you think of Europe? Hmm. Yeah, there's... Um, so at Ethnos, you bring you you learn all this music from other countries but you also have to bring something to teach mm-hmm. so you're one part teacher and 19 parts student um 
So when I go, I'm typically like the Lone Ranger from America. <laughs> There's never like an American delegation. So it's yeah. up to me. Yeah. <laughs> like no pressure here, Lima, <laughs> to represent it's my entire nation. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a. Uh, so I've I've taught traditional things. Like I don't, um, I don't play like. I mean, I can play old time guitar, but I don't play fiddle. I don't play banjo. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, I need to teach something that is still traditional. And blues and jazz is about as traditional oh, yeah. American music as it gets. It's not thought of as traditional a lot of times because it's more modern, quote unquote. But. Uh, uh, Blues and jazz is like the epitome of American music for mm-hmm. me, um, along with other things. But that's my area of expertise. So I taught uh, a Bessie Smith. Well, she didn't write it, but she performed it. Um, and it's called Beale Street Mama. She had a big hit with it. Can and, you play it? Yeah, I can play that. And uh, so I taught this mm-hmm. to an ensemble of about 70 people. Wow. Did they and pick so, up on it pretty well? Yeah, and uh, ethno is this crazy thing where you think it's going to come out sounding this one way, it's and ships. then you put it in the ethno meat grinder, yeah, and it comes out this completely different way. Everyone but has it, a different perspective, yeah. and they're hearing it a different and way. Suddenly, you have Estonian bagpipers playing. That's amazing. American blues music. Do you have a video music. of this? There is video of this oh, on on Vimeo. It's probably on YouTube too. I'm probably gonna have to get that from you. The Ethno Flanders uh, YouTube channel. Um, and then I taught the Tennessee Waltz in Denmark, and uh-huh. I had like Ugandan percussionists <laughs> and a girl from Zimbabwe playing the kalimba. It sounds a lot like and, the Dusty project or Dusty yeah, that yeah, Christy did. Absolutely, it's yeah. it's there's a lot of overlap, uh-huh. uh, similar concepts. And, uh, you know, having a fiddle section at my command, yeah. like, well, you're doing a good job, but yeah. right here. <laughs> it needs to be a yeah. little different. Yeah, yeah. Or like an accordion section. Uh-huh. There's always a ton of accordion players wow. and fiddle player, well, violin players. <laughs> uh, and then... You know, it's such a, a unique experience and it's a collective effort to arrange these tunes mm-hmm. um, for an ensemble of 70 people from all over yeah. the world that come from completely different musical backgrounds. But it's it's a challenge, but it's awesome. Yeah. And so I taught this tune, Beale Street Mama, uh, to that group of people. And mm-hmm. Beale Street, of course, in Memphis. So I wanted to pick something that represented the U.S. and what I do, but also Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So I, I came up with that. And uh, this is it. Why don't you come back home? 
You know it isn't proper Leave your loving daddy alone I know that sometimes I was true Cruel, that's true But mama, your sweet daddy never two-timed you I'm blue How come you do me like you do? I'm crying be street mama Don't mess around with me Cause there's some fancy petting That I can get in Tennessee Get my sweet cookies constantly Just not the kind that you served to me Oh, be a street mama Come back home these people playing behind you but then you also learn the lyrics and yeah. I had all of these people so it was different uh, accents and and going through in the workshop I had time to you know people would ask me what certain things mean. I, I don't think to explain them because yeah. I'm a native English speaker yeah. but then there's like somebody that they're like what is fancy petting <laughs> I'm like well how do you um, describe that I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> so, like explaining some of these Americanisms that yeah. occur in the song was just really interesting. Yeah, yeah. That's so. Are you going back this year? It's about to happen just a few days from now, so I'm not mm. going this year. This will be my I, the age limit is thirty, and I'm oh, thirty. No. Uh, but I went last year and. I felt really old because mm-hmm. I've done it like five times. And, you know, the, the youngest age limit is 16. And they it's purposefully young. this last year, like, uh, brought in a lot of younger kids. There were still a few old vets around like me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was sitting around there like, wow, I'm old. <laughs> and uh, so I, I think I just retired. I need to find an, an SNO for... Adults, old or age folks. Outs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 going to be happening. There's there's. You're going to start it here in Chattanooga. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to see that, and now I'm going to have to go search for that video now because I'm so intrigued. I'll send it to you. Oh yes, yes, and I will. 
put it on a Facebook page as soon as this show has one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're here at the Soundry, and Brett Nolan is producing this show. And you said that you've recorded here before? Yes, I did in 2013, I believe it was. Yeah. Um, with Ed Huey, we did a, a duo project. Oh, Ed Huey is, uh, he taught at, at Baylor for about 25 years. Wow. Uh, he retired. What and did then, he teach? Uh, choral music mm-hmm. and band, maybe, or music theory. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I know he taught choir. Mm-hmm. Um but awesome harmonica player, and he's from Louisiana, Natchitoches, Louisiana. So he retired, and him and his wife. It's like in his blood, mm-hmm. that music. <laughs> he, and they moved back to Natchitoches um, after the uh, CD was finished. Um, but we recorded it here at the, the Soundry, and people love that album. It's, oh. it's really great. I, I love it. I'll still pop it in my own CD player from time to time. Just, and and you said that you used to walk here. <laughs> yeah, I used to live literally around the corner. You can I can see my house from here. I used to live. I would take my bike over. It's different now over. though. It's all fixed up. Yeah, it's really built out and and really really cool. Nice. Yeah, I love the I love all the fixtures in here. Makes me feel like I'm at home. <laughs> okay, so back to the open mic. Do you have any um, interesting or strange evening experiences that you can recall that maybe not about you necessarily, but something that you saw or anything? Oh, man. This wasn't necessarily strange, uh, but it was just unexpected. And I don't know where these guys are now. I haven't seen any of them. But there used to be this band in town. It was... Instead of a bass guitar or a stand-up bass, they had a tuba. I think it was tuba <laughs> and amazing. but no, they had tuba and upright bass and kazoo <laughs> and I think some sort of high voice instrument like a fiddle or a guitar or something. But they were called seersucker. All instrumental? No, all instrumental. No, they would sing too. Yeah. But it was uh, it was kind of like some hokum jazz and some originals and. Did not see, I did not picture a dude walking into Tremont with a sousaphone. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And a kazoo combination. And then uh, one night, the guy that played bass, it was just him, like, doing upright bass and kazoo. No. Yeah, it was, and he did, like, four <laughs> songs with just upright bass and kazoo. And he killed it. Like, he made it work. And I haven't seen that guy in, in years. I don't know if he still lives About here. About how old was he? He was probably in his mid-30s, maybe late 30s. I don't recall his name. I want to say it was like Brad or something, but don't hold me to that. That is pretty interesting. I would have loved to have heard that. Um, So what is happening next for you um, and your musical career? Any like big things coming up, new albums or? Well, I'm wanting to start. uh, I've got kind of a vision in my head of, it's still in the brainstorming stage. I want to record a whole album of slide guitar because I just don't have a lot of that on record. Mm-hmm. There's like three or four songs. Um, and that's like a really big part of the music I love is a slide guitar. So I want to do a whole album, like a kind of a short album, maybe like eight songs of really gritty slide guitar stuff because people just don't hear me play that a lot. Yeah. And tell um, us about the guitar that you were using for that. Oh, it's... Uh, 
I bought it at an antique store. Like the top is kind of caving in a little <laughs> bit, and it's an old Stella from like the fifties or sixties. Basically made of plywood, really cheap, inexpensive guitar. One of the tuners is bent, <laughs> and it still works. Uh, the fret markers are painted on, like spray paint stenciled on, and. Everything about this guitar is fake and cheap, but it sounds so good for slag guitar because that's what all the old blues mm-hmm. guys played on. They couldn't afford nice guitars. Um, and so that's what they played on. And if you want that sound, you got you can't... Like, I couldn't take, like, a a $10,000 Martin guitar and... Make it sound like yeah, that. Yeah, it would just feel wrong to me. Yeah. Um, so for is me, that the guitar but, you're going to use for your album, you think? Yeah, definitely. I want to use that one. I'll probably use this when I got the resonator and I've got another resonator at home. So, is it going to be but, completely solo or you have some guest artists? And You never know. Yeah. I, I might chuck that in there, but I kind of want it to be solo. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's in, that's a ways out because I just recorded it. I just released an album last year. And but I guess the next thing that's imminent is uh, you know I've been touring a lot with the Ninth Street Stompers this year and we're headed out again in September October, uh, going a lot of different states and. How things. long is the tour? Um, it's I mean it's about a month mm-hmm. I would say. There's some breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, how far How far are you getting out? I we're going to Ohio wow. and uh, up north and we just did Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana. So we, we, uh, we move, yeah. we get, we play a lot of places and it's a lot of fun. Uh, how, how many people are in that band? Uh, the core of the band is three, myself mm-hmm. on guitar, Dalton Chapman on guitar and Skip Franz Jr. on string bass. But then, uh, we also tour with drummer Sampire, um, and then local gigs, budget allowing, we add on, uh, clarinet or mandolin or fiddle or keys or whoever we can convince to play with us yeah. for the evening. But uh, the core is two guitars and bass. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that group before. I'm going to have to check that out. We play a lot out on the road, so mm-hmm. we, but we'll occasionally do it. We, we just played at like the Leapin' Leprechaun not too long ago, but it was oh, yeah. kind of last minute, so but, didn't yeah, have they, a lot of time to promote it. They, um, they just opened up. How, I haven't been there yet. How is that place? It's cool. It's it's small, um, but it's nice. I love how they're they're trying to um, incorporate live music into mm-hmm. what they're doing, which is awesome. That so many people are doing that in town these days. Yeah, and I feel like that started a lot because of open mic and Tremont too. I feel like Dustin kind of started that. It fosters, you know. Uh, yeah, open mic kind of fosters this community of musicians, and promotes collaboration and collaborations lead to recordings and recordings lead to, uh, you know, you gigging out in those ensembles and then you need places to play. And And I just feel like the whole like restaurant live music scene has kind of popped up recently. Yeah. I mean, within the past five years, Mm -hmm. even within the past like two or three years. It's kind of booming right now. Yeah. A lot of smaller to mid-sized venues are opening up and I think that's great. Uh, that was not around 10 years ago. Oh, yeah. So. No. I mean, even like Mellow Mushroom I played it yesterday. Someone's like, Mellow Mushroom has live music now? Yeah. Sometimes. 
I'm always seeing like places that I didn't know had music have started doing music. So even if it's just occasional, Mm -hmm. it's still promoting live music, which is what we need in the city. Now we will take a short break and hear a little bit about our sponsor. Today's episode is sponsored by Raw Dance Club Bar and Grill. Raw is located right near 4th and Market. There's live music every weekend downstairs, and Chattanooga's premier dance club is upstairs. They have $1.50 domestic beer specials every Friday and Saturday from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. That's right, you heard it, $1.50. Where can you find that special? Anywhere from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m.? Nowhere. Raw shows all of the UFC pay-per-view events. There's a lot of great things going on at Raw, so if you haven't experienced it, check it out. Could you play a song with that guitar? Yeah. Trade out here. He's gonna play it. Does this one have a name? Uh, no, but we'll call it Stella. Because <laughs> that's, that's who made it. Stella. So I've got this one in a open tuning. And you got this one at a... Antique shop, yeah, like yeah. out on Ringgold Road. I'm gonna do something different. <laughs> that was a sample. Troubles is over I done made it to the promised land Well, well, well I done crossed over Well, well, well Well, well, well Jesus gonna make up my dying bed
Since I got acquainted with Jesus We hadn't been a minute apart He placed a receiver in my hand True religion in my heart Well, well, well I can ring him up easy Well, well, well Well, well, well Jesus gonna make a dying bed Meet me, Jesus, meet me Won't you meet me in the middle of the air And if my wings should fail me Won't you meet me with another pair Well, well, well I done crossed over Well, well, well Well, well, well I done crossed over Jesus gonna make a That's an old traditional, mm-hmm. old spiritual. I like it. So um, we kind of touched on this already, um, but what are some of the changes that you've seen over the past five, ten years in the Chattanooga music scene altogether, not necessarily just open mic? Well, yeah, like we touched on, like I've seen a lot of more venues pop up and a, a lot more artists on the scene and... Um, kind of a push, you know, with organizations like Soundcore, mm-hmm. um, and like really wanting to bolster the uh, the Chattanooga music scene. And I've seen a, a desire starting to to well up in the listener at large to actually go and see live music. You know, that's really that's just as important mm-hmm. as having live music because if nobody comes to hear the music. Then no one. Then, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh... So, and then the more people come out, the more um, people want to support it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to sit on your couch at home and watch TV and veg out. It takes a little bit of effort to go out and and see some live music, but it's ten times better than sitting at home watching TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and people are, I think, starting to figure that out mm-hmm. how do you compare it to um other cities that you've been to chattanooga's music scene it's it's getting better it's like the beatles lyric i've got to admit it's getting better getting better all the time mm-hmm. um we got a long ways to go mm-hmm. um but i don't want it to become an austin i don't want it to become yeah. a nashville yeah. because nashville and austin feel really commercial mm-hmm. and i don't like that and when you have so much music industry, music industry is a oxymoron. It's a mm-hmm. paradox in my brain. Those are two different yeah. things. I mean, it becomes and very unauthentic. Yeah, at a that point. and when you have so much music industry and so much musicians concentrated in such a small area, 
the market is flooded and musicians don't get paid as much as as they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're struggling to find gigs. And really even, good musicians get unnoticed. Yeah, and they're mm-hmm. even like paying to play a gig, mm-hmm. a gig you know, yeah. at South and by Nashville, Southwest yeah. just to be seen. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's, no, crazy, I don't yeah. want it to be like that. I love New Orleans. Mm-hmm. New Orleans is like Disneyland oh, for yeah. musicians. Oh, yeah. And I love the community that they have down there and the venues and the whole vibe of the city. And it's a a city that is music-centric, mm-hmm. but it's not overblown. But it's definitely it's not, the soul of the city. Yeah. Ani DeFranco moved from New York to New Orleans, and she lives there now, and she just couldn't say enough <laughs> great things about the music there. I want to spend more time there. And just how raw it is and how real Mm-hmm. All the musicians are, you know, and there's so much collaboration in New Orleans too with each other, and that you seem to be a big, big proponent of that. Yeah, that's they play, they play all kinds of music in New Orleans, but they really play like music that's that speaks to my heart and soul. Mm-hmm. You know, Dixieland jazz and trad jazz and blues and even Cajun music and Zydeco, mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff like Southern roots music mm-hmm. um so i i would love to see chattanooga kind of go the way of new orleans it's not gonna be new orleans because there's only one Never. but uh there's a constant demand for music and there's always people there to go see it yeah but um, i feel like your your music is highly appreciated in the city you know Everyone knows Lawn and knows your music and loves to hear it, don't you think? I think they like to hear it, but I don't know. I think I'm just but maybe a bad promoter, like getting the <laughs> word out and things. But uh, uh, it's getting better. Yeah, people are starting to catch on. Yeah, yeah. So. They, I mean, I I have to admit, it does take a while in Chattanooga. You know, people have to hear about it ten times before <laughs> they actually believe it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, I want you to tell me something about yourself that doesn't involve music at all and I know that's hard for you because it's like <laughs> it's your hobby and your career okay. and your love but tell me some, something either something you do or something about yourself that's not music related at all I have jumped out of a plane without wearing a parachute what and I survived <laughs> from how high the plane was on the ground but, uh, <laughs> okay that's not a good one but uh, <laughs> No, but uh, I really enjoy um, caving. I like going in and exploring caves. I don't get to do it as often as I would like to these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but was a cave guide with a summer camp for a number really? of years there. Yeah, I mean, among I wore many hats, but one of the at things, Ruby Falls or no uh, the the cave we went to uh, with camp Camp Lookout on Lookout Mountain. Duh, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, we went to Howard's Waterfall Cave in Trenton, Georgia. Uh, recently, I found out that they discovered something of archaeological importance in Howard's Waterfall. Wow. And they have gated it off. What is it? Do you know? I have no idea. But I want to know. They won't tell anyone? No, it's secret oh, for wow. now. I'm gonna, I have some sources that I'm going to try and hit That's up. That's interesting. So we'll see. It's very interesting. But I, I enjoy caving. Mm-hmm. Not in the sense of like Ruby Falls or Lost Sea, but like putting on a headlamp, coveralls, 
crawling through the mud and the dirt and tight spaces. And it's just your it's your escape. Yeah, it's your way to get away from life in a cave. It's, mm-hmm. it's all. It's the same all the time, yeah. no matter day or night, winter, summer. It's the same temperature. Yeah, it's always dark, and the cave is constant and quiet. Mm-hmm. So quiet. I mean, talking about talking about getting away. That's, <laughs> that is getting away. <laughs> so do you do you cave often right now? I don't. No, yeah. I've gosh, I've probably been like three times in the past two years. Is, you there, know, is there like certain equipment that you used to do that? Yeah, I mean, I wear a helmet mm-hmm. and a headlamp with a battery pack, um, coveralls, knee pads. Uh, do you I ever go like exploring like caves you've never been at? And... Yeah, but I always go in groups of at least three. Yeah, that way, if someone gets injured, that's one person to stay there and one person to go call Smart. for help. You know, mm-hmm. never had an incident like that. Yeah. I did have a nosebleed wow. so bad one time when I was leading a group of kids. Oh. I just gotten over strep throat and I was on this medicine that like make like a side effect was it made me have nosebleeds. This is a great story. <laughs> I'm sure all the people out there in podcast land want to know about this. But uh, <laughs> I was the cave, I was the lead, and I was training the the second. She was in the back, uh-huh. and the kids were in How front old of were her. The kids? I think they were like fifth grade, mm-hmm. and there was like 15, 13 of them. Mm-hmm. And she didn't know the cave so well because I was training her. And so I'm like, Amy Beth, I'm... I might pass out. If I pass out, this is how you get out of the cave. Um, So I was giving her all these instructions in case I lost consciousness, but uh, I didn't. Were the kids kind of getting scared? No, I I said, y'all go. I was like, Amy Beth, take the kids, go this way. And I kind of just hung back around the corner and dealt with it. Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. I never would have pinned you as a caving guy. And at the time, I had like a big red beard and I was covered in mud and so I got back to camp and I walked out of the cave ba- uh, the cave van to the to the lodge and I'm covered in mud and blood <laughs> and soaking wet with water and I had like crusty blood in my hair and beard and people looked at me like what happened just happened to you <laughs> I looked like hell yeah oh that's so yeah that's one thing I like to do, yeah. not related to music. That's really awesome. That's really cool. Um, will you play another song for us? Yeah. Let's see. What do I want to do? I'll do another original. I'm switch guitars again. This one does have a name. Yeah, so this is uh, the steel guitar. The resonator is Bonita. And I named her after Bonnie. Bonnie was my previous resonator, Bonita's uh, identical twin sister. Bonnie was stolen from me recently on tour in Columbus, Ohio, but uh, got a replacement. And so this is little Bonnie, Bonita. (laughs) Uh, This is called Country Gentleman. Thank you. 
the people are talking all over town They say that I'm gonna put you down Well, the people are talking all over town They say that I've been messing around Well, I've got a gal, she lives up around the hill She's a bootlegger's daughter, and I love her still So say what you want, you can think what you will I'm a country gentleman Yes, I am I'm a country gentleman Well, the preacher, he told me I need to get myself right He tried to give me such a fright Well, the preacher, he told me Hey, boy, you need to get yourself right Where you'd end up if you was to die tonight I said yes I do believe Where it is I would go Brother I'd saunter right down the street And haunt around your front door Well I was only fooling But he didn't know That I'm a country gentleman Yes I am a country gentleman Folk talk about me settling down But darling, that ain't where I'm bound Yeah, the women folk talk, they say Hey, Lonnie, why don't you start settling down, boy But I ain't gonna be tied to a piece of ground Yeah, my baby wants to marry So I gave her a ring When she picked up the phone I told her that she don't mean a thing So I'm gonna fill my tank With some of that good Gulf gasoline I'm a country gentleman, leaving this town. Yes, I am a country gentleman. You best believe that I'm a country gentleman. find more of your music well uh you, they can go to my website loneldridge.com uh i'm also on bandcamp.com but you can get there through my website so that that's um loneldridge.bandcamp.com uh, but the easiest way is just to go to my website uh, i'm also on facebook and instagram and all that stuff that I don't really understand, but I do it anyway. But you keep it updated so people can yeah, know. Yeah, I always playing. have my shows uh, up to date on there and music and videos and all that good stuff. Yeah, Facebook is a great tool for that. Mm-hmm. So 
What advice could you give to maybe a new musician or an old musician who is interested in trying out open mic and just just doesn't know the first step, step to take? Uh, I would say throw caution to the wind and just go. Like it doesn't matter what your skill level is or experience level is. I was just talking to a guy last night at the... Uh, uh, the Bitter Alibi, he was asking me about learning how to play with people. Like, how do I learn to play with people? I'm like, well, you just play with people. You start. <laughs> you start doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's honestly how you do it because you can't learn to play with people at home by yourself. Right. <laughs> um, and so you get in there and my best advice is to Listen first, play second, mm-hmm. you know. Figure out how can I make this better. Mm-hmm. If I can't make it better, I'm just not going to play anything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I do that to this day. You know, I'll, I'll maybe be in a jam and everything's going great and I'll try to play something and I'm like, this is just not working and I'll just <laughs> sit there yeah. <laughs> and enjoy. But um, if I can make it better... I'll uh, I'll jump right in there, and uh, you can always use more practice in front of people, in front of an audience. I mean, um, so yeah, my advice is to go do, listen, play, because that's there's no substitute for experience and practice. And yeah. um, open mic was vital for me to get comfortable in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. It's pretty low pressure. Mm-hmm. Um. So, yeah, and, and everyone is so welcoming at Tremont, and mm-hmm. every open mic in town. Really, I mean, Tremont's probably the easiest one to get in on. Grand Falloon's got a really oh, yeah. great one going on. I've been to that like, like once or twice. They um they stopped doing it, but they're gonna come back. I think with like a cool. month with a monthly. Nice. Yep. Uh, I know that Tara is working on that right now. One of my favorite ones, and this place isn't around anymore, was Mud Pie. The Mud oh, yeah. Pie open mic was... Oh, yeah. Megan Howard on the last awesome. show was talking about that. Yeah. And uh, they did... Was it Shaughnessy that was hosting those? Maybe. I think it was. Um, but the food there was awesome, one. And then they had all the the local art there and then the music... And it was just a cool place. I was sad to see the mud pie go. But uh, the open mic was like a open mic shootout. Like they, the crowd would pick their favorites at the end of the night. And so one person from like seven weeks, each of the seven weeks, would go on to a finals round. It's kind of like uh, how Eddie's Attic was mm-hmm. set up or Red Clay Theater. Um, uh, and then you'd have the final shootout at the end of that eight weeks and they would win uh like cash or gift certificates or studio time or whatever and actually made it to the final three of the final round Mm -hmm. ended up winning it but it was me megan howard and bush ross (laughs) as i recall and they had somebody there like live painting wow Uh, kimberly dawn was her name uh, she was painting like a, a hand on a guitar neck the whole time the open mics were going on. And then I ran into her like years later 
at a folk art thing festival that I played at House of Blues in Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. And she was there, had that painting, and I commented on it. She's like, oh, do you want it? Did you get it? Yeah, she gave it nice. to me. She had a, like $300 on it, wow. and she just gave it to me. She's like, it was based off of your hand anyway, so <laughs> it's like hanging in my house right now. So, yeah, I really dug the uh, the mud pie Yeah. open mic. Yeah. Uh, I think Kit House was doing something kind of like that yeah. for a little bit, too. I think that has I gone I went to away. that a few times. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming today and for talking and letting everyone learn about you because I've learned so much today and I really appreciate <laughs> you no sharing problem. all your experiences with us. This was, uh, this was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you so much. And thank you, Brett Nolan, for helping me produce my show Ooh. at the Soundry. I could not be doing this without you. And it's so awesome to have somewhere so nice to come and record everything. So thank you, Brett Nolan. All right, thank you. The end. Cut. <laughs> Open Mic Spotlight has been brought to you in part by and recorded at the Sound with your host, Heather Lee Holt. Edited and made possible by Mr. Brett Nolan. Today's episode is sponsored by Raw Dance Club Bar and Grill. Raw is located right near 4th and Market. There's live music every weekend downstairs, and Chattanooga's premier dance club is upstairs. They have $1.50 domestic beer specials every Friday and Saturday from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m. That's right, you heard it, $1.50. Where can you find that special anywhere from 10 p.m. to 11 p.m.? Nowhere. Raw shows all of the UFC pay-per-view events. There's a lot of great things going on at Raw, so if you haven't experienced it, check it out.